Welcome to Layers of Film, the show where mediocre people discuss masterful films the first Monday of each month. I am your host, Austin Killian, joined by my co-host, Big T. Big T? What else is awesome in your life? <laughs> what else is awesome in my life? Everything. Yeah. No, it's springtime, so oh, that's yeah. exciting. Allergies over here are horrible. Um, I like never had allergies before I moved to the East Coast, and I feel like we've had a really high pollen count this year, and my eyes are constantly itchy, and it's oh. like just low level enough that it's survivable, but just yeah. high level enough that it's like always sort of in the back of my head, you know. So I, nice. I that sounds terrible. I've never. I don't. I'm starting. As I get older, like I'm starting to deal with allergies more and more. Did you ever deal with allergies when you were younger or is is, is it also kind of an older thing for you? No, um, I never really had them when I was younger. I do remember one time that uh, I got hay fever really, really bad. Oh, wow. And my eyes like got all swollen <laughs> and my yeah. face was all puffy and stuff and I couldn't see and... <laughs> It was horrible. But was that during a time that I would have known you? Yeah, it was. Really? It was actually, um, did you did you go on Trek? Yeah. Yeah, it was right after Trek happened. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah we I might was like not on have... the car ride home and my face just like... Oh. Yeah. That's crazy. I was just super itchy. But other than that, I feel like I've never really had yeah. to deal a lot with allergies. It's only really ever happens like when the pollen count for me is like really high it but it's to the point when like everyone gets allergies because mm, it's yeah. just like so we've also had a really warm spring here so i think that that's kind of oh, that's exacerbated good. it but i've also been out in the yard a lot we oh, built yeah. a greenhouse we ripped up some wow. sod to plant some garden beds we got our little seedlings going so <laughs> right that you would die for Right. Yes. But we have so many. We have like a hundred little seedlings. I think we planted way too many. Of what? What all do you have? We got tomato. We got broccoli. We got like five different kinds of flowers. We got chamomile, parsley, basil, <laughs> rosemary. Did, yeah. You got everything. That, so you don't have to go to the grocery store ever again for this season at least. Yeah. That's well, funny. we'll see. But our yeah. tomatoes seedlings are doing great. They're super nice. strong. Our broccoli is sort of not doing very well, but... It's a learning process. It's the first time we've done it, but I felt very competent because we went and read it, rented a sod cutter. Yeah. We chugged along the yard and ripped up a big chunk of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm an official homeowner now. Look at you. you know? Good stuff. That's exciting. Yeah. You'll have to let yeah. me know how all the all the seedlings grow and how everything goes with food and stuff. Hopefully yeah, I'll let you well. know. Yeah. Um, going back to Trek for just a second. I remember that Trek because... Or like one of the worst things about that trek were the activities to me. I hated like because you know what I mean. Like the activity day. Do you remember that? Uh, I, I, you have to specify which activities. I don't even know. I just didn't want to do any of it. I just wanted to because that like that that really hit my social anxiety like a lot and just having to like mingle with people that weren't a part of my trek family or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't even know who half these people are. I don't think I could find you guys for a long time. So it's like, oh, it's not even worth. Like, this sucks. I just want to walk and push this stupid cart. <laughs> like, I'd rather. I just, just want to die on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> it's Let's fine. Just leave me be. Oregon Trail. I yeah. do not remember Activity Day. I. No. My parents I were in charge of that too, so I felt bad. I'm like, that was my least favorite part. Sorry, mom. 
Yeah. I mean, Trek is an experience. It is. And and another thing about that is, because um, we were going to be outside for so long, you know, getting sweaty, it was super hot. I had the brilliant idea and uh, to, to like buzz my head like way low. And that was the first time that I had ever done it, like, you know, as an older kid. And um, I that was the moment that I realized that, like, my head on the top is very flat. <laughs> I actually remember that. I remember yeah. when you got your, yeah. like, you buzzed it and you were like, my head's really bumpy and flat or whatever. Yeah. I remember you saying that. Yeah. I had no idea. And so uh, I just wore whatever the hat was that I had, you know, one of those sun hats or whatever it is. I don't know for uh like farmer's hats for like the whole trek and i was i would never take it off too even like even like i would barely take it off right before getting into my sleepy bag like at night i would just take it off real fast and then i slept like with my whole head in the sleeping bag instead of out because i didn't want anyone to see my flat head <laughs> so stupid it's funny because your head doesn't look flat oh it is flat you know it's flat yeah. You know, you know, like the whole like proper lady training and you have to put books on your head or whatever. Like I could easily do that. <laughs> Maybe that's how your head got so flat. <gasps> no, I don't remember doing that as a kid. That's so funny, though. Yeah. The trek, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was wild. Wild times, man. Wild times. Hey. Speaking of wild times, I'm just kidding. That's such a bad segue. Oh wait, how's no. your life been? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Something wild for this is the only thing that I want to talk about. So I visited um, family. I started my new job. I don't remember if I mentioned that at all last time, but I started a new job, senior dev position. Super exciting. Look at me go. Look at me world. Um, yeah. But I wasn't able to start like right away because the guy that was going to be onboarding me was going to be out of town. Um, for like a week and a half. So I'm like, okay, uh, I guess I'll just wait to make more money. And then I decided to just take a random trip to Washington to visit my family with the kids, which was a good time. And, but like the, the highlight, what I was so excited, have you ever, you watch YouTube, right? Or no? I watch YouTube. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Like what, what on YouTube? Okay, so have you ever seen Beard Meets Food? No. Okay, so he's a food challenge guy. I've never talked about this before. No. I just, okay. <laughs> the way you said do you watch YouTube was like... But who on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Too big. yeah. yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry. Um, anyway, Beard Meets Food. He's this guy on YouTube who just goes around to different restaurants, like fast food restaurants or whatever, and does like food challenges. Uh, that they have there you know like oh you eat this whole thing and you get it for free or you get up on the wall of fame or whatever free t-shirt and uh i my brother turned me on to this guy and we've i've been obsessed with him at least for you know the past i don't even know when i was trying to like lose weight last year that was the way that i enjoyed food i would just like because i was just calorie deficit the whole time and just watching this guy while i was chugging my diet soda and just pretending like i was eating all the food along with him and Super uh, healthy <laughs> yeah so healthy and uh anyway during the trip i convinced my brother who got me into him like we're gonna do our own food challenge we couldn't find any in the vicinity that like were good or that we thought we could handle like you had to travel a ways and uh i didn't want to travel anyone anymore um, than I had already done. And so I was like, we're going to go to like three different fast food places. We picked out all of our 
you know, things. We got, let me tell you the order, okay? And then I'm going to ask you how many calories you think it is. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I got two Doritos Locos tacos and a Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell. And then from Jack in the Box, I got a large curly fry and a sourdough jack, which is like a, you know, do you know what a sourdough jack is? No. It's like basically a, a burger with tomato and cheese, um, except it's replaced with like the buns are sourdough or yeah, whatever, bread. And then from KFC, we got a famous bowl, which is like the mashed potatoes and gravy, corn and chicken and cheese, I think. And a large root beer float from A&W, you know, the conjoining thing. How many calories do you think that all was? Oh, I don't ever count calories, so I don't know, but oh, okay. let's lowball it and say 2,000. 3,400 calories. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you think I finished it or not? Yes. Correct. Absolutely <laughs> correct. That actually doesn't sound like that much food, though. It See, that's the thing. You list it out, but then you hear 3,400 calories. is like, whoa, that's quite a bit. Because like the average intake in one day is like 2,000 like, for men or something like that, I think. I thought it was like 3,000, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, Maybe 3, it's 3,000 for people my size. Three. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think more 3,000 if you're like trying to put on muscle mass and stuff like that. Like usually maybe that. Gotcha. But, um, but that's throughout a day. So we're trying to do it as fast as we can. My brother was just like, there's no way we're going to finish this. I'm like, we're going to finish it. And it's like, well, maybe in an hour. I'm like, I can get it. I can get it under 30 minutes. And I got it done in 25 minutes and 15 seconds. And let me tell you, I did all the Taco Bell. I did all the Jack of the Box. But once I got to that KFC, all of a sudden, a brick formed in my stomach. <laughs> and I could not fathom filling my belly with anything else. And uh, also, I thought Rupert Float, I wanted a milkshake. But then I'm like, no, we should do a Rupert Float because the soda will help us burp. But it doesn't matter because it turns into a milkshake, you know, if you let <laughs> if you let it sit long enough. And so all this food and all this gas or whatever, you know, is just basically getting smothered by this milkshake. So I could not burp. I was so <laughs> nauseous for like two to three hours. And then I finally stopped feeling so full. Like I stopped feeling the brick rather by the like five hours after. And it was... And you're like, I haven't eaten since. No, I was I was ready to eat Taco Bell the next day. But I love Taco Bell. No <laughs> one else pooped since. I haven't pooped since, yeah. No, <laughs> no I definitely pooped, that's for sure. I yeah, you're that. doing this from a hospital bed right now. Yeah. But No, um, yeah, that's wild. So wild. I was it was so exciting though. Like all the moments prior, planning out like what are we gonna eat first? What's the order? So that we feel like it's gonna be prime. Um did your yeah. brother finish? No. He, weak. he super weak. He's the one that turned me on to the guy. Nah, it's fine. He made it really he was he just couldn't finish this he he didn't even eat the sourdough jack, but he finished like that was the only thing he didn't finish. He's like, I know that if I if I eat this, I'm gonna throw up. But I'm like, okay, fine. Don't. That's the whole point of the food challenge, though. That's the whole, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to do like a medal or something. Anyway. Yeah, now, you got to hang up. He has to hang your picture up in his house now or something. <laughs> he has to look at it from now on. Um, no. It, was, it, was, it wasn't worth it because the whole food order ended up being like, you know, 75 bucks or whatever. It was, so, it was so much money. But wait, what? Wh- 
What? How did that get so expensive? Because the Taco Bell was probably like what the Crunch Wraps are to, like they're like they're like five nine or six bucks, bucks each. Now. No, are they Crunch Wraps Supremes? Supremes? I don't know. They were expensive, and the Doritos Locos Tacos are like two fifty each. Yeah, so like fifteen bucks maybe. I don't know. I'm pretty sure we we pulled out of there and it was like 20 something dollars and I was just like, "Oh, wow, that was more than I thought." And then Yeah, Taco Bell's gotten so expensive lately. Yeah, it's kind of a It bummer. used to be like the super cheap yeah. option, but What happened? Inflation and price gouging. I know. And then um Jack of the Box was like $27 and then uh KFC I think ended up being like 17 or something like that. I don't know. The famous bowls were pretty cheap. But yeah, it ended up being pretty expensive, but it does make me curious. It's like, okay, I might find like an actual food challenge that I might be able to get like a free t-shirt or something. Do it. And a free meal. It would be more worth it. Anyway. You should do it. Yeah, I feel like I could do a lot of food challenges. <laughs> yeah. I don't really feel like I have a hard time putting down a quantity of food. Mm. It's uh-huh. just like if it's spicy, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. But that's true because with... What we did, we had a lot of variety and a lot of yeah. food challenges. It's like the same thing the whole time. That would be hard, I think. Yeah. But I'm going to try I could do out. it with pizza, I bet. I could do it with tacos, I bet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, tacos. Yeah, tacos. That has a lot of different stuff in there. You know, you got yeah. meat, lettuce. It feels a little more fresh. You can it's dip like, it in a bowl of water to soften it a little bit. Gross. Oh, <laughs> we did get we did get extra like... You know the cheese sauce <laughs> we yeah. got from Taco Bell. We did get that, so that maybe we could. Gross. And you know, have you eaten nacho fries? I have not. Okay, absolutely delicious. I think they're back in they're back in Taco Bell right now. You should get them. But if you have a place that has curly fries and you just get extra cheese sauce from Taco Bell, it's a great supplement to the nacho fries. It's great. Oh, good to know. Oh yeah, I was surprised. Oh, so good. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to Washington State next oh, yeah. month, so you should come down or up while I'm there. I just out. went there, dude. Rude. And we just talked about my job. <laughs> just go again. <laughs> Take the week off. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that that's gonna go over really <laughs> right in well. the middle of a giant project. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Brb. Um, yeah, see you later. No, yeah, that's um, food challenges are interesting and i would probably throw up if i did certain ones but <laughs> yeah worth the experience i think i had like half of that um rupert float left and it took me like five minutes to finish <laughs> because it was so hard anyway yeah i think the dairy is what would like really yeah. the dairy and like the carbonated beverages because i have a really hard time with carbonated beverages mm. yeah um really so yeah, I used to not, but when I lived in Brazil, I ate a lot. I drank a lot of Guaraná, and hmm. I just, my stomach just has started having, I get like, it makes me really full oh, for like a okay. short amount of time. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, like, it makes me feel full, I guess, so. Yeah. Um, but that and the dairy would really mess me up. Yeah. But I don't really like root beer floats, though. Oh, I was so excited for it. I love root beer floats. Something about like the texture of root beer floats. What? Just any kind of float? Yeah, Yeah. I just feel like a creamy soda is against the laws of nature. You know? Well, that's why you just let it sit for a while and then you mix it all up and make it a milkshake. 
Oh my gosh, you're upset. I would just rather get a milkshake. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess so. It's weird because I like ice cream and I like root beer, but root beer floats, just something about them. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Right. Well, I like nachos and I like Sprite, but I don't mix those together. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but there's not like Sprite nachos. It's... Root beer floats are a uh, thing. Sprite nachos are not a thing. Oh, okay. All right, I'll remember that for. I'll stop. I'll stop using that as example. I've used that so so many times as an example of things that go together. Uh, all right. Hey, speaking of things that go together, <laughs> put your hands together for the future of this episode. <laughs> what a segue! Beautiful before, segue. We're we're gonna be. Uh, sorry, we're gonna be covering the Truman Show today but before that let's get some housekeeping out of the way if you could rate and review the show that would be super awesome it helps with discovery over on spotify or uh, apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to the show right into the show at layers of film pod at gmail.com to be part of the discussion if you'd like if you haven't seen the film be aware that we will be diving right into spoilers probably uh right away from the uh right from the get-go so get ready for that now Big T, do you have our next segment ready to go? Of course I do. Nice. All right. Well, in that case, it's time for some Hollywood You Rather. Hollywood You Rather. Big T, for the new viewers, why don't you explain the rules of the show or rules of the game? Hollywood You Rather is Would You Rather, but with movie scenarios. So I take a scenario from... The movie we watched for this month and a scenario from another random movie and Austin gets to guess what the movie is and tell me which situation he would rather be in. Nice. And then I judge him profusely for making the wrong choice. I feel like we agree on a lot of the things. That no, we do agree on most of the things. Yeah. yeah. All right. You ready? I was born ready. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood you rather not know about your entire life being broadcast to the public uh-huh. or know about your entire life being broadcast to the public. How, what age am I learning? Same age as Truman? That you're being broadcast to the public? Yeah, yeah. Like he finds um, out when he's probably like in his 30s, you know? Am I going to yeah, find out at the same time frame or am I going to know This early? movie that I'm thinking of is probably like 30s or 40s that Wait, you what? choose to broadcast your life to the public also that's like a super vague reference so oh i thought you were just both of the references were true but show what's the other what no pretty much like consent to your life being broadcast to the public or oh. not consent to it consent i guess i'd rather be in the know although i don't like what that says about me as a person <laughs> but uh i don't even know what this other thing you're referring to is yeah it's super vague but it's the movie the circle yeah i have no idea i don't know i've never it heard has, of i think it has tom hanks what it has tom hanks and emma watson what and so you've never heard of the circle yeah no. it's like um i think it's like a, no it's a few years old now hmm. yeah but um there's a scene it's like a social media type thing that like I don't really remember the plot, but I just remember that there's like um, this politician who 
says that she will like broadcast every second of her life to the public mm. so that people can so she can be super transparent you know ah, right. it's kind of like a subplot too it's not even that big of a thing but oh. um yeah anyway it, i feel like when it came out it was like a super big like think piece kind of because it's like oh what happens when social media becomes so um so much part of our life that you can broadcast like every single second of your life kind of yeah which definitely happens um yeah. which would also be horrible what would you choose but, you know i also think i would rather know but it would probably make my quality of life a lot worse yeah because you'd be constantly stressed about everything you know that's true like worried about every single second of your life being recorded and you know being judged by people forever so yeah. i don't know is ignorance bliss sometimes <laughs> sometimes sometimes okay right. next one this is a tv show okay and it's a very specific episode so oh that's gosh. the clue you're gonna get okay it's gonna be Holly- black mirror episode keep going holly <laughs> would you rather unknowingly have your wife fake marry you mm. or knowingly have an alien become uh, sorry unknowingly have an alien become your fake child what <laughs> an alien wait maybe i don't know what this is uh an alien that looks like a human child and they unknowingly to you become your fake child so you think they're your real child but they've incepted yeah. you into thinking that and they're like an alien life form Oh man, I I have no idea what that could possibly be. It's Doctor Who. Oh yeah, I don't watch Doctor Who. I should have guessed the show though. I should have thought yeah. because I know you like Doctor Who. I should have, or you've you know, watched I, Doctor Who. Yeah, I've watched parts of Doctor Who. This yeah. episode um, is pretty. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a couple and they have a son who's like afraid of everything uh-huh. and. It turns out that it's like an alien life form that tricked them into thinking that it was he was their real child and his fears sort of like create this creepy dollhouse thing. Yeah. It's an interesting episode. But yeah, so would you rather um unknowingly have a fake wife or fake wife. unknowingly I want have a fake child? Fake wife. Really? Why? Yeah. My my children are very important to me. <laughs> I don't want, I don't, I don't like, you know what I mean? There's, there's just, there's separate levels of importance. Once you have a child, a lot of other, at least to me, everything else is so secondary. Like, like, you know, I think, yeah, dude. And it's a little child. I'm not going to have my, cause where does that child go? What is, you know what I mean? <laughs> I gotta have my children. See, I think, I think I would unknowingly have a fake child because I'm not as I wouldn't be as dependent on a child as I would be on my spouse. So I think that if I built this like really strong relationship with my spouse and I thought that I could trust her and I thought that we were like partners and everything to find out that it was all fake, that would be really devastating to me. Whereas if I found that my child was fake, I'd be like, oh, okay, you're not my real child, but like I still love you. So I, I'll ra- I'll treat you as my own child because there's not that like sense of trust and dependency. Does that make sense? 
I don't know. That's odd stuff, dude. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't have children and you do. So you're coming from a different perspective. Wait. Okay. Maybe I misunderstood the scenario. Am I, is one of my real children being replaced by this fake thing? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. Uh, and we'll still go wife. Why not? Let's just <laughs> let's just switch it up for you. I don't know. Okay. Last one. Holly, would you rather live your real life as a TV show, The Truman Show, or get sucked into a TV show that you want to live? <laughs> Pleasantville? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched it. Um, I guess I don't know how long ago that was. That was actually a little while ago. Yeah, it's in this last season. Was it? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was this season. Uh, let's let's go with Pleasantville. I think I would do Pleasantville too. Yeah, it just seems because it could be any show I want, right? When, let's go Breaking Bad. That's my favorite show. Let's go into Breaking Bad and cook some crystal meth with Mr. White. Yes, be rich. Why not? And yeah. then transport yeah, I, myself out of that show with real money. You know what I mean? No consequences. Filthy, stinking rich. I choose that. You're up. There you go. Shortcut to becoming a millionaire. There you go. Yeah, I think I'd want to um, be sucked into a TV show, too, because you yeah. get to live something kind of fun and maybe a little dangerous without having to actually experience it yeah. for the rest of your life. Hopefully. That's true. Although we don't really understand the rules of Pleasantville, if you die in the show, do you die in real life? Or do Probably. you just get transported out? That's wild, man. I would think you'd want to be in a zombie TV show. You're always talking about wanting to hunt zombies. That's a good point. That's a close second. That's a close second. I think the TV show I would want to be a part of is yeah. The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> a reality show? <laughs> just kidding. It's so lame. Um, I don't know what TV show I'd actually want to be in. Lost. Something not too scary. No. Not Lost. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Probably <sighs> like a comedy. Yeah. Just some A little. Like, uh, have you, you ever girl. seen Last Man on Earth? Yeah. yeah. That'd that's, be kind of fun. That's like somewhat. It's like, I guess it's not zombies, but it's still like an apocalypse. Yeah, but like. You can Everyone's do whatever you want. Dead. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, and you have <laughs> yeah. access to like lots of food, and that's maybe something like that, you know, where I get to like sort of live on the earth, but there's don't have no, to fight zombies. Yeah, there's there's no part in that show funnier to me than the like I think it's the first episode where he pulls up to the supermarket and just pulls out a gun out of his pocket and shoots the glass instead of using the door, <laughs> and it just walks through it. It's yeah. just so funny, so nonchalant. I love it. Yeah. There you go. Holly, would you rather? Nice. Well, thank you for the game. I did You're not welcome. do a good job guessing the shows this time, but whatever. To be fair, they were very, very vague. That's true. Very. Or very, very, very specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all right, though. All right. Cool. Thanks. With that, let's get into the film introduction for The Truman Show, released June 5th, 1998. Here is the synopsis. An insurance salesman discovers his whole life is actually a reality TV show. Directed by Peter Weir, written by Andrew Nichol, or Nicole, I do not know. Composed by three different people that I don't think I'll be able to 
tell you what their name is uh, reliably. Burkhard Dahlwitz, Philip Glass, but this this is the one. Walshik Killar. Nice. Big actors are Jim Carrey, Laura Linney, Noah Emmerich, Ed Harris, and Natasha McAllen. Budget of $60 million. Box office earnings is $264 million. And you can watch it on Showtime if you have that subscription, which you probably don't. Because I don't think very many people do. Do you, Big T? No. That's right. So you'll be renting it if you'd like to. Or you maybe you own it. Or you'll be finding it for free, which Big T probably did. <laughs> Just kidding. I do not break... <laughs> online media laws thank you very much you don't admit it to it admit to it on the show at least all right (laughs) i will neither confirm nor deny (laughs) big t we have both watched this movie before i've watched it like a bunch of times i don't know how many times you've seen it before but what'd you think yeah i think i've only seen it a few times okay um but they were all when i was like younger i haven't watched it in at least a decade a decade and a half yeah Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I knew enough about the Truman Show going in that there wasn't anything that really, like, surprised me. Right. Um, I think we talked about this the last episode, but you and I had both been recently thinking about the Truman Show and wanting mm-hmm. to watch it, so it kind of worked out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I really like the Truman Show. One thing that was interesting to me was that when I – my recollection of the Truman Show before I watched it this time around was that it was a lot lighter. <laughs> like, oh, really? I did not. Rem- I do not remember, or I wasn't. My brain hadn't developed enough mm. to really process some of the darker themes and the darker elements in this. Like, my brain was like, "Oh, the Truman Show is about this guy who kind of finds out he's on a reality TV show, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of quirky. It's got Jim Carrey." Yeah. Um, but the, as I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is kind of dark. Yeah. <laughs> like, and kind of uncomfortable at times, too. Right. Like the scene on the beach yeah. with uh, Sylvia. Is that yeah, her name? Sylvia or Lauren, whatever. Yeah. Um, I was, I got kind of uncomfortable. And then there were like multiple times that I turned to my wife and I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable like this is really really what's like, specifically dark. And i'm sure we'll talk about it but um yeah that was not a feeling that i remembered having when i watched it when i was younger hmm. um i think just the sense of paranoia that you get yeah um is really uncomfortable like you have you get shots of the production crew watching Truman and trying to find Truman. And then the scene when the fake dad like drives onto the beach and Sylvia's like, I don't know this man. I've never met him before. Truman, everything's fake, you know, like, and I think too, now that I'm older and I've lived through some of my own personal, um, mental health issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously nothing to the degree of like paranoia and schizophrenia that is sort of uh, alluded to in this, but um, definitely having experienced my own issues with mental health, watching this through, it just is like brings a lot of that stuff to the surface where Mm. um, 
you realize how quickly reality can change for you and like how unstable that can be at time, different times of your life. Um, and just kind of like, to me, it brought to the surface a lot of those personal experiences that I've had. Um, and I was just like, Oh wow, this is like a very strong depiction of what like paranoia can look like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) speaking of that last episode, when I was introducing this show, I wanted to get into just like what, uh, you know, what I, I just kind of my past of watching this movie. So because of this film, probably from the ages of 12 to about like 15 or maybe even 11 to about like 15, I was like 70 percent sure that my life was like the Truman Show. Like there was a lot of paranoia. And I mean, really not on anything like specific well not on anything like real or substantial there was just like a couple of moments that i remember like specifically with um with the wife i can't remember her name right now uh meryl meryl Um, yeah meryl and all of the ad placements that she does my mom did that one time and it was like she just like jokingly no, she didn't do it jokingly. Like I was, unintentionally. Yeah, 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 right. And like I asked for something, like maybe some kind of food or whatever, and she like like maybe I don't remember the specific, but like maybe it was a brand new chip that we had never tried before and she's like, "Oh, we should try these sun chips. It's got blah 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 and it's really good for you." And for some reason, I think I had watched the Truman show very recently and I was just like, "Whoa." And I didn't say anything. I was just like, "No, I'm good. I'll take the sour cream and onion." <laughs> and yeah. and so I go for that. And then um this is I mean it's just because of how many people are on this earth, everyone having the same ideas all at the same time, like a lot of like or at least a lot of people. I always felt like I would have like an invention idea or something and then I'd find out like a week later like someone's just invented it or whatever. I'm like that no way, dude. I just thought of that though. And this is bull crap. And so there was just like all these different things that kept going on in my head that made me feel like I my life might be recorded right now. I have no idea. And I truly probably 70 yeah, 70% like I'd really believed it. And even now, like maybe 5% is still unsure. Like I still wonder sometimes, you know? Not yeah. to the same degree. Like I really was paranoid about it. I would like I really should have talked to people about it. <laughs> I should have I should have got a therapy or something, but I definitely never unloaded that. And so yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was like my dark past with this movie and why I feel so connected to it, I think. Yeah, cuz I feel like um I'm sure everyone who has watched the Truman show has at one point or another sort of like played to the camera right like (laughs) sure you know looked at like a mailbox and been like oh hey you guys watching the team like watching me or whatever like (laughs) um, you know we're just sort of like maybe very lightly being like oh i wonder if like i'm on a tv show right now type thing yeah but um i mean there are definitely I, i mean i'm sure you're aware of this but like there are definitely people who do think that they're on reality TV shows. Like I was reading some of the trivia about the Truman show and there was one um, client of a 
therapist or a psychologist who thought he was on like a Truman type reality TV show and thought that he had to climb to the top of the Statue of Liberty where his ex-girlfriend or girlfriend would be in order to get out of the Truman show. Like there are definitely, you know, people who have those experiences. And um, I mean, I, I, I've never been to the point of like being 70% sure that I'm on the Truman show, but I've definitely had thoughts like, passing thoughts of oh i wonder if i'm on like a tv show i wonder if this is being recorded right now (laughs) but kind of like i was saying earlier i have had other experiences where i have questioned reality or um reality has changed very drastically for me um due to like mental health issues and just um i don't know i feel like once that happens to you once you realize how quickly things can change um it's kind of scary because like sometimes I feel like I'm getting to that precipice, you know, and I'm like, I just instantly flash back to when I was like not in a good mental health space and being like, I never thought that would have been possible for me. And now that I've experienced that and I've lived that, I always have like this fear that like that can happen again, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of like what I was talking about with like that sense of uncomfortableness of like sort of, again, like I said, not really being parent, not dealing with paranoia necessarily, but like other mental health issues and being like, yeah, I know how scary that be when you, that can be when you realize like is reality what reality is, you know? Yeah. You know, something interesting about this movie is it, it's not... Like the only like there's a couple of run-ins or whatever that Truman has that might be able to break him from this, you know, kind of reality and see it for what it actually is, but it seems like the majority of it happens when he's a child to where he can't really understand what's even going on, like the guy breaking out of the little present uh, box and telling him that the show's he's on a show or something like that, but obviously he has no idea what's going on. He's not going to internalize that at all. The first time that there's really kind of a break in that reality is with Sylvia or Lauren. Her fake name is Lauren. And, you know, she kind of mentions all that stuff. But he still keeps himself like, oh, like he could probably be able to, because she is pretty like frantic when she's trying to explain all that stuff. You would probably be able to kind of explain that away a little bit of like, oh, yeah, maybe she was kind of losing her mind or whatever in that moment. I don't know. Maybe she does have like these hardcore mental health issues or something like that. I don't know. I feel like you'd be able to explain that away. And kind of her fake dad, I guess, uh, kind of makes it sound that way as well. But later on, when he's definitely, you know, in his 30s, or I would say he's got to be in his 30s, when that light falls down from the sky, that's the thing that really sets this whole thing in motion from the start of the story. And it's just, it's funny because so many things go wrong all at once, whereas for the majority of his life, everything's, perfect you know everything's easily explained away there's nothing that's really way out of place you know these crazy set malfunctions and weird stuff going on it all happens at once and uh, I don't think it's due to Sylvia or anything but uh it's just funny it's just it's kind of funny how how terrible the set kind of turns out of nowhere to make him be able to look outside of this whole thing and maybe think that it is fake um is there, is, do you think it's like just a weird coincidence or? <laughs> I mean, I think one, there has to be something that drives, drives the plot. So yeah, yeah. all these things happen. But I will say though, 
um, I think that it's sort of like a snowball effect because a lot of the things that he sees and that happen wouldn't happen if he wasn't pushing against reality. True. You know? And so I think that that's a big part of it is like he sees something that's a little weird and then he sees another thing that's a little weird and then he begins to question things and he begins to, you know, not go about his normal routine and then Mm -hmm. he starts to see these things like fall apart very quickly. But um, I think that those things are falling apart because the production was so used to him sticking to his schedule or his, you know, um, yeah. whatever it may be, that he, when he deviates from that, they're not prepared for it, you know? Mm, yeah, gotcha. Which it might, it might speak. There's one, there's one kind of throwaway line that I don't think was really meant for anything, but... I'm just going to go ahead and say that maybe it's somewhat of an explanation for why things just keep going wrong left and right. Um, <laughs> and it's it's mainly driven by just p- previous work experiences of jobs that have high turnover rates and things just constantly going wrong because of new hires and, you know, training. And there's a lot more mistakes, you know, more than normal and all that stuff. And there's a throwaway line later on when I think Merrill leaves him at this point and he Truman is staying in the basement and sleeping or whatever. And Kristoff, the creator of the show or whoever that guy is, comes in and he's kind of getting skeptical. He comes in and and there's the two guys that are supposed to be watching him at night. And uh, one of them played by Paul Giovanni, which is so funny. I forgot that he was in this movie for some reason. He's such a normal grounded character in this in this film. But He's obviously doing something that he's not supposed to be doing. And then the I think the new guy, because he comes over, you know, because he wasn't doing anything. Kristoff walks in. The new guy's like, or whatever, you know, like, Ugh. and Paul Giovanni's character comes over. He's like, oh, I was just showing the new guys. And so in my head, I'm like, oh, there must have been like this crazy, like, like just new people have joined the set and they are not up to speed on everything and probably going along with what you're saying where they probably were fully trained on his regular routine, but not um, improv, you know what I mean? Like not not really figuring out exactly what to do in case something's out of the ordinary. And Paul Giovanni's lazy character is just letting this new guy basically take point. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. a night. It's He's supposed to be sleeping, so maybe that's why he's like, oh, I'll let him take charge of this tonight or whatever, because nothing interesting is supposed to be happening anyway. Um, but I feel like that's that could somewhat explain why a a light falls all the way from the sky (laughs) and the radio frequency gets all messed up and you can hear you know the people that are running the show saying where he's going and whatnot it's so funny yeah 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 that's true maybe there's just a lot of new employees that don't know what they're doing (laughs) (laughs) just taking everything but um yeah i something that i definitely never noticed when i was younger um that that i definitely picked on or picked up a lot this time was uh, Truman's best friend Marlon says later on when his dad is, you know, he's going to reveal that his, he did find his dad and it's, he's is alive and all that stuff. And he says, you know, let's take it back to what started this whole thing in the first place. And he thinks it's his dad. And I think that's what the producers of the show think that it is. It's the dad that really started the paranoia and stuff like that. But what it really is, is the camera or the light that fell from the sky because Without that light, I don't think that he would have 
started thinking about Sylvia again. And because right after the light happens, he goes into his job. You know, he's acting, he, he is like, everything's normal, but he does go into his job and he starts asking about Fiji. He's calling, you know, some some number or whatever to see about numbers in Fiji for a Sylvia or a Lauren. Um, and I think it's it's really, I guess on a deeper level, it's really that unknown love, you know, that he could, this unknown life, this this potential other reality that he could have had with the woman that he actually wanted to pursue um, that really pushes him towards questioning things and trying to see how he can get there. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that um, kind of like you said, he has had past experiences where he may have sort of come up against that notion that something's not right, that something's off you, you know, like when Sylvia gets dragged out of that dance by a bunch of people in um, suits or whatever, like that's weird, you know, Um, (laughs) but those experiences never triggered anything for him for whatever reason. But then it's this compiling of these experiences of the light falling and the flashback to Sylvia and you know, other little things where he begins to put the pieces together. And and I will say, um, I believe that the original manuscript, the original script for this um, had Truman being a high schooler oh. or a recent graduate from high school. Yeah. And it was supposed to be more about like teenage angst than midlife crisis. But oh, really? they wanted it to be Jim Carrey. So they changed it to match his age a little bit more, you know? Interesting. Um, yeah, so I think that you kind of see that 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 question of like why did it take him so long? Why is this happening all of a sudden right now and not before? You also have to realize that there were some just logistical issues with Jim Carrey's age that didn't allow it to be earlier in his mm-hmm. life. Okay. But the original they originally wanted it to be when he was a teenager. That's so interesting cuz I feel like it works better this way. At least for me, I I like it a lot better this way in my head. Just having this potential, you know, he just goes along, you know, goes with the flow for so many years, like over a decade. Yeah, I agree. I think that having him not question things for until he's like a very well-established adult yeah. adds a lot of depth to this. But I did read that's kind of interesting was that... um the person who plays Christoph is that is it Ed Harris? Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only twelve years older than Jim Carrey. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah that they doesn't were like, add up. <laughs> yeah. So originally it was like, oh, you know, that's like a fine age difference if Truman's a teenager. Yeah. But it's like in the story and the timeline of the Truman Show, he would have been like a twelve-year-old CEO who adopted a newborn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. so they intentionally made him look older. You know, with like the the hat and the black turtleneck and the way he walked and the glasses and the wrinkles and stuff. But um, I I think that there's just sort of some logistical um, issues that they run into with time and age because they wanted Jim Carrey to play Truman. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. Um, What did you think about the cast and the performances? You like it? Did things fall flat for you? Um, I like it for me. I have a lot of thoughts about this movie, um, <laughs> okay. but I feel like the the burning like question or desire I had was like, I want to see the Truman Show part two. Oh, really? I want to see 
what happens to Truman after he goes into the real world. Like, Mm. how does he cope? How does he adapt? You know, he's famous in this world that he's never known. Um, So that was kind of the focus of mine was like, what happens next, you know? But regarding your question, I think that like Laura Lenny that plays Meryl, right? Yeah. Um, I think she does a really good job. And I actually saw that she like studied uh, Sears catalogs to figure out how to like um like the poise of her character you know which i think is really really clever because it's a giant commercial pretty much the whole (laughs) set um so i think she does a really good job i'm not a huge fan of like marlin's character really um we, we also don't see a lot of him but i do like the depth we get when he is sort of becomes the point person for the search for truman yeah you see how um, kind of invested he is in the process, but yeah. um, I was just more sort of interested in the inner workings of Truman's brain and experience. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think it would be. I mean, I don't want to see it, but it is really cool to think about where he would go next because he would probably hook up with, like, or meet back up. I mean, with Sylvia and mm-hmm. see where things go because clearly she's all in on him as well because she's so she's watching the show you can see in the background of her place there's newspaper clippings she's all about this guy which is a little unhealthy i think but it's okay you know she's in love or whatever i guess i don't know it's for the show and it's whatever it's it's cute um and then obviously he hasn't let go of her either and i think even more evidence of the fact that he hasn't let go of her is maybe him not wanting to have kids and pushing that off for so long because they do mention that a couple of times i'm wondering you know a little bit if he's kind of saving that for the woman that he actually loves but you know where where do they go from there how much therapy does he need to go to after this <laughs> like an insane yeah, amount yeah like what is the psychotic break that he experiences you know (laughs) because you don't go from right what you think is like a small town life to international fame in a world that that's true you know he's the most famous he was just a normal guy but he's actually the most famous guy across the entire globe yeah you know like what does that look like like how do you adjust to that and one thing like as i watched this movie i was like this would be a very different movie if they just changed, like, the edit and the music. Like, <laughs> this could very easily be, like, a horror-slash-thriller movie. Yeah, sure. Um, I oh, mean, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's very lighthearted, I would say, for the most part. Like, there is some dramatic yeah. element to it. But, um, like, you could have the same exact film, but just, like, a different edit, and it would be a lot darker, I think. Right. And so... I think that Truman's life after the Truman show is dark because that's yeah. going to require a lot of adjustment to that. You know, I, I mean, for sure, if everything works out, his focus to keep him out of all that darkness to like somehow compartmentalize all that stuff, even though that would probably be impossible, would be Sylvia for sure. Yeah. Um, I actually do think that Marlon's characters or yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't remember the dude's actual name, but Marlon is really interesting to me. And yeah, maybe you don't like him that much, but I think that it's more of just the concept of him being both Truman's closest friend and confidant and also like the point of 
you know, he's he's the man on he's the boots he's the man on the ground for Kristoff as well. Yeah. So he's the closest to the guy who's deceiving him, and also the closest to the guy that he's deceiving. You know, and so it's yeah. just like it's so interesting that. But obviously, like it would be interesting. It would be even more interesting if he was conflicted sometimes. Actually, no. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is more interesting. I I don't know because that is an obvious thing. If if they were to redo this, I bet I bet that character would be more conflicted, and he would probably, you know, end up being the guy that tells Truman what's up or whatever. But I think it is kind of interesting because um, he's not he's not conflicted. He he is definitely more for the show, and everyone's more for the show. It's their livelihood, you know. Everyone's paid actors and actresses. What's also funny? This is totally off the point is the fact that these people have been doing these fake jobs for decades or whatever, and none of them know how to actually do it. <laughs> but anyway, that's besides the point. But I don't know that, that, that whole concept of being, he, he is Marlon is the tie between both worlds. Um, I just think that's really interesting to me. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that I agree with you. I think that, that his character would, I mean, I like his character. It's fine. I think that he's an interesting character, but I definitely think that his character would become much more dynamic and in-depth if you saw some of that tension or not even directly saw it, but if they sort of hinted at it, you know, because it is very clear that he's much more on the side of Kristoff in the show than he is on Truman's side. But to see maybe some of that conflict of like him really questioning, you know, oh, this is my best friend, but you really see it just as like a role that he plays. Whereas with, uh, Meryl, I think that you get a lot more. You definitely, she's definitely on the side of the show. Yeah. But to me, that's more interesting because she, you know, is married to Truman. So, yeah. like, she has to do a lot more, like, legwork, I would say, than Marlon because she's just around Truman sure. so much more. But she, it's, it's so crazy because no one besides Sylvia seems to really care enough like at all like they're just totally willing to put all morality or ethics or whatever aside so that they could keep their jobs and like yeah even Meryl she's the she's really supposed to be the closest one you know and she's <laughs> she's not you know even <sighs> something interesting is like she obviously knows she 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 has a constant feed in her ear of what Truman's doing and there was probably a point where it's like, hey, Truman's looking at Sylvia's stuff again. You need to go downstairs and, you know, get him away from that stuff because that's what might get him to, you know, break his, the illusion, I guess. And so she knows that he he's always pining for this woman. And yet, like, she'll, she doesn't, maybe you don't see it. I don't know. But she's never crying about it. She's never, she never seems really upset about it. The only time that we ever see her upset is when it seems like she might die or whatever because... Mm-hmm. Truman's having like a huge, you know, break. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think though, like you get from the very first time you meet her character that this is a role to her. Like yeah. sh- her role is to be Truman's 1950s. Well, not 1950s. Cause she like works, but you know, Truman's like wife and partner and like very much the ideal wife, you know? Yeah. So I think that the reason she, we may not get that 
side of her where she is really upset and, um, you know, frustrated that Truman's pining after another woman is because like her interactions with Truman are to be the ideal wife. And so she puts her own emotions and feelings or whatever aside and fully embodies that role. Yeah. And the reason I think that is because when Truman is threatening her life and Marlon walks in and she runs to Marlon and is sobbing or whatever, she's like, this is beyond professionalism or like whatever she says. She mentions professionalism. She doesn't mention how scared she is. She doesn't mention how dangerous this feels. She talks about her job. And so I think that for her, this whole thing is a job. And so she's not really, she's um, removed the emotional component of the situation. Yeah, it's funny. The the specific thing, I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure I remember it for the most part. How can anyone expect me to carry on under these conditions? <laughs> it's so yeah. unprofessional. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. scary. It's unprofessional. I love that. Yeah, exactly. I just love the like, she's so honed in on that that she yeah. that's all she cares about. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. For sure. That that's something that I think that this movie does absolutely like flawlessly is the the script is so good to me. Like the the dialogue is perfect. You know what I mean? Like anyone anyone could have written like like how can I go on like this or whatever, but just the specific words, the specific language was just so perfect. Um also I think the pacing of this film is so good. Um I watching it again for the first time in, in such a, a long time it did there's times where it feels like there's so much happens all at once that it's like oh i could have used me personally i know you this is probably a good length of a film for you but for me it's like i could have used another half hour honestly but um it does get me to think a little bit like man they could they could easily remake this as a tv series on netflix easily for sure for sure and i would i would watch the crap out of that dude i would watch that so hard because i feel like yeah, you could cover so much of the other characters and all that stuff, like in the background. I also like when they introduce, like, periodically throughout the film, the people that are watching the show. Yeah, the fans. Yeah, the fans. Um, I love you, the fans. Yeah, the fans are so fun to watch. You got the restaurant people. You got the dude in the bathtub. You got the old ladies. Like, it's so, it's so, and, and, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just so funny. And then also you get the little shots of Sylvia watching from her screen. I just feel like when all of those different elements are introduced, they're introduced at like the perfect times where it was exactly the right moment for that kind of break, you know, from the, mm-hmm. the heavy stuff that's going on. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I think that the character the character exploration that they could do in a longer movie or a tv series Mm -hmm. is there's so much there that they could dive into you know just like like you were saying the internal conflict the psychological distress the emotional connections like there's so much that's to work with because the relationships are so complex and so complicated yeah and then also or sorry, even more subtle details that I think were really interesting was just also the stuff going on. Like when Sylvia's in the library and, you know, he asks like, oh, like Konnichiwa or whatever, you know. And um, and she's like, what? <laughs> just like, it's so smart. Like the writing's so smart, even like in that aspect as well, because she doesn't actually know. She's not actually yeah. taking Japanese class or whatever, you know. She's, she's, 
and her name's not even Lauren. He's just like, oh, Lauren's your name or whatever. And, and she's like, oh, yeah. Right. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's so good. Um, Yeah. And to kind of go back to what you were saying about it kind of being ridiculous that these people don't know these jobs that they're like doing or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm assuming you're referring to like the bus driver and yeah. the boat captain, right? Which is also the bus driver, but yeah. Yeah, which is also the bus driver, <laughs> yeah. right? right. Um, so I think the reason that they don't know these jobs is because they've actually never done those jobs. I so know. So like, what I mean by that is like, they've never even been the actor for that job because Truman has never been on a bus to Chicago oh, before. Oh, I see. And so you kind of get that with like the travel agent. Yeah, because right. when she runs in, she has that makeup bib on still, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's like um, on a lunch break and it's, or something. Yeah, and it's because I was sort of reading about this. Well, it's not a lunch break. It's a makeup bib. Oh, so yeah. Like, okay, that makes sense. It's yeah. what actors will wear, you know, when they're getting yeah. touched up before a scene. Um, <laughs> right. She was rushing in there because she, um, they've never had a person in this office because Truman has never been there. So there's no one's going to fake yeah. being a travel agent it's just like they have the physical space but there's no one doing the job and so i think that's the same thing like that he gets on this bus and then you kind of see the bus driver look at the um the ticket taker and he he's kind of like what am i supposed to do here and it's because he's never been a bus driver actor before interesting he's just an actor and so i think the reason they're not good at their jobs is because like not only are they actors but they've never had to act this specific role before yeah it would have been interesting for him to go into like the little travel agency and there's like dust and cobwebs because like no one's used that set before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would exactly. be funny. But um I, I specifically about that, I love all the placement of um like all of the like like a lightning strike on the airplane. This could happen to you. And this is a travel agency. It makes no sense. They're trying to sell tickets, not deter people. And so it's yeah. just like, it's all meant for Truman to like dissuade him from ever leaving the island, which is so funny to me. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, yeah. I just think that like, yeah, even these like secondary actors that you meet, yeah. like I want to learn more about them. You know, what do they yeah. think about this? How do, do they feel conflicted that they're faking all these things? Do they really care? You know, right. one thing, I don't know if you noticed this, but I really kind of talking about specific details that really kind of bring the movie to life is yeah. that scene when Truman is walking into his office, but then he goes through the circular door and then he walks back out. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this, but um, there's like garbage collectors and street cleaner people, yeah. but they're not picking anything up. Oh, really? They're not dusting anything. Yeah. They're just like using the little grabber thing and pretending to pick things up. Oh, I didn't know that. At least I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But it's really interesting because um, they're only there to make Truman think that they have this job, you know, but they're like, oh, shit. Like he didn't go up to his office like we were expecting. We just have to keep. <laughs> pretending that everything's right. like normal <laughs> yeah you know yeah they already so. picked up the three that were scripted the three things that were scripted <laughs> yeah exactly so, yeah. so they're like oh what what are we supposed to do now that's so funny i love i also love the moment when he runs into that one office building and then he tries to go into the elevator and it's just like a a like the little break area in the back of the, like set. the backstage <laughs> yeah they're eating donuts yeah. and stuff oh it's so good uh, yeah the whole um, it's not a montage, but it's a series of scenes where Truman begins to like do things that are unexpected 
to kind of get a reaction. You know, he's like making noises and he's shouting and he's clapping and he's jumping around and he's like, you know, he's doing yeah. all these things to sort of like test how people react to him. Right. So it got me thinking there's this, um, I think it's like a social psychologist. His last name is Garfinkel. And okay. he created this thing that people called, they call it Garfinkling. Okay. So it's this um, concept where you break a social norm to yeah. see how people react. And it sort mm-hmm. of proves that human behavior, um, we all have sort of implicit expectations for yeah. other people on how they're going to act and behave. And there's like social rules that we're supposed to follow. So Garfinkel would have his students do what was called Garfinkling, where they go into like a social setting or like a public setting um, and they break some sort of social rule. Yeah. Um, and the whole idea is if you break the rule, people will like try to make meaning of it because they're trying to as- fit your reaction into like the script. So my, Mm. one of my professors in my master's program did this and her example, what she did was she went through a drive through and she asked the, um, drive through worker. They're like, Oh, welcome to McDonald's. What do you want? Or whatever. And she said, what's your favorite color? She asked the worker, what's your favorite color? And the person went, um, well, the flavors for our McFlurries are vanilla <laughs> and strawberry or whatever, you know, because the worker's trying to figure out, like, what does this mean? I need to make sense of this this action that this person made. Yeah. So she, the worker was like, oh, it's a, they're asking me what the flavors are, you know, right. pink and white, vanilla and strawberry or whatever. So I just kind of was thinking about, like, how um, Truman is sort of doing his own sort of Garfinkling here yeah. because he's trying to test these social norms, like, how are people going to react to me if I act unpredictably? So I just kind of got a little nerdy um, about that. But I thought it was interesting that there's like a social phenomenon going on here. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what. No one no one better Garfinkel while I'm trying to watch a movie in the movie theater. I'll tell you what. Did I say Garfunkel you know, or Garfinkel? I don't know. No, you said Garfinkel. <laughs> okay. um, that actually reminds me. I So I was reading some trivia about this. And yeah. um, apparently the director during the screenings of the Truman show, he wanted to have a scene where there were projectionists in the, in the movie theater and it showed the movie theater audience in the movie. Yeah. Um, but they, I don't think that they ended up doing it, but I just love how meta, how meta that is. That would have been super funny. Um, also kind of scary. Yeah. Also scary. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, sorry, going way back to what you're talking about, how you could easily change the music of the film and it would, you know, be you know more of a thriller or something like that. Um, I totally agree with that. I I love, like, although the music doesn't have a score that's absolutely stand out, you know, like something by Hans Zimmer or John Williams. It's so perfect for this film. Like the score I for 100% this, percent agree. It's it's like. They knew exactly what they were composing when they started composing it. I yeah. One one of my f- there's well okay there's one specific song that I really love when he's when Truman and and Marlin are you know on that bridge and he's 
you know, Truman's bearing his soul to him and all that stuff. I think the music in that scene in particular is just super powerful. I love it so much. A little bit dated, you know, maybe could have been mixed a little bit better, but I think the notes is just like it hits the vibe and like the whole tone of that scene so perfectly. But I also love that shot when also like at the end of that scene, right? When he's uh, reconnected with his father on the bridge, which is so dramatic and over the top and makes zero sense what marlon told him okay stand way over there and then when i tell him that you're that i found you then start coming up it makes no sense that should have been a dead giveaway to truman which i think it actually actually was but actually actually but the i love when it breaks to the like the moon base or whatever and the The piano player yeah, the Death Star and the piano player, you know, it, like it shows the musician behind it and it fades in and all that stuff. It's this perfect, powerful moment. You see Kristoff, he's just like, you know, acting like a maestro over there. It's like, oh, it's perfect perfection, you know. I love it so much. I just, yeah, I don't think there's a single moment in this entire film where it wasn't perfectly planned out, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's how I feel. The- that's the real composer too. <laughs> really? So they have they have the two composers, you know, doing the music. Yeah. yeah. Um, both of them are the real composers. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so, so it's kind of cool. Wow. Yeah, it's very meta. Um, but I agree with you. I really like the music here. I think that this movie strikes a very fine balance between being lighthearted and being really, really dark. Yeah. And I think the music is perfect for that. Yeah. Like the search, the search scene music when they're looking for Truman, um, like the music definitely can change how the audience feels about this or whatever, but it is just perfectly blended to make you be like, Oh, this is sort of lighthearted, but also this is really serious, you know? Yeah. So the the music I think is is wonderful. Yeah, for sure. Um, going from the search party and then on when Kristoff makes that connection or me- realization that trauma trauma Truman. I wanted to say something about how I feel like Truman's name is sort of like a jumbling of words from trauma, but um, which is perfect, honestly, uh, if that was actually intended. But when he makes the connection that he's probably on the sea. I just that was the moment that I realized um in the film that you know Christoph probably is like he 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 misunderstands what Truman really wants but at the same time he probably knows the most about Truman than pretty much anyone else on the set and it's so interesting because he's the only one in the set or on the moon base or whatever, I just keep calling it the moon base. I don't know what it's called, but he's the only one out of everyone, you know, the producers, everyone who's working on the show constantly where he's just kind of, you know, he kind of looks away and just like, we're not watching the sea, you know, like he makes that realization. We've pushed him so far that he is actually going to face his fears Mm -hmm. to get what he wants. Whereas no one else thought that it would be possible. It's like, why would we? Yeah, when he says that, like someone else in the background is like, why would we watch the sea? Like, we've never had, like, he's the only one that's yeah, thinking outside the box. Yeah, we traumatized that out of him. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I, we killed his dad in front of him so that he wouldn't go on the ocean. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that that was a really interesting thing that I had never really thought of before. 
Yeah. Um, no, I think that's, I think that I want to know, I mean, speaking of stuff you could do in a longer movie or a TV series. Yeah. I want to know more about Kristoff. Yeah. yeah. Like, I want to know what motivates him. I want to know his backstory, which apparently the writer actually wrote like a 10 page backstory for Kristoff. Really? Um, for the actor to like get into his character. The writer also wrote like a 10 or 12 page, I think, um, backstory for the Truman show. Like, Oh, it won the Emmy awards and it like whatever, you know? So there's a lot of stuff we don't see about the characters, but like when it comes to Kristoff, it really feels like he says he built this world for Truman, but he it feels like he built it for himself. Right. You know? Yeah. And, like, that to me is really interesting. Like, he sees Truman as an extension of himself. And I think that's the reason we see him misunderstand Truman at the end is because he is projecting onto Truman mm. what he wants and yeah, what sure. he would choose. Right. And in like in another aspect, he's he's almost like an overprotective, you know, like way overprotective, like mother or father, you know, where it's, um, yeah, just like whatever they think is whatever the parent thinks is best is gonna be best for Truman, mm-hmm. and uh, doesn't want the outside, almost like Mother Gothel or whatever, you know, from yeah. <laughs> from Tangled, yeah, in a different think, way, I guess, but yeah, yeah, and I think too. It's implied that Kristoff lives on the moon base. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. everyone else works there. It's, I mean, you see him walking around in, like, pajamas and, like, wet, a wet towel, whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, it's implied that he lives there. And to me, that dynamic makes him so much more interesting because he's living in this world that he created as essentially, like, a god to Truman. Um and I just think that's so fascinating to get into the the mindset behind that character. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that I just thought of is how little, like everyone thinks pretty little of, I think, Truman's ability to see right through things. Like everyone, everyone underestimates him. Like everyone, even the people watching the show, I want to say, like there's the, there's the point where he just kind of like starts acting like his old self. What other what some people say is like, oh, it's just good to have him back to his old self. And I feel like that's such like that's just I, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just wishful thinking on those people because they don't want to lose what they've you know fallen in love with. I guess with this show, but. How could you how could you look at all of the events that happen, especially the moment when Truman is stopped by those people at the, you know, the hazmat suits and that one trooper is just like, you're welcome, Truman. That would have been the moment. It's like, nope. From here on out, I know everyone's lying to me. Every single person. Mm -hmm. The fact that that guy knows my name and I've never seen that guy once in my entire life. I know for a fact now. And even after that, people totally like viewers of the show disregard that moment even though it's so obvious it's so obvious that that's never gonna things will never be the same the fact that he is acting like everything's okay even the creator of the show like it should have been like oh he's just he's just putting on a show you know (laughs) yeah this isn't real yeah or he's maybe he's given into the show at this point or whatever i don't know but everyone just has all this wishful thinking which is interesting to me 
Yeah, I feel like if they really didn't want him to leave, they should have given him a better job. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You just got like it's an like insurance salesman. He loses nothing <laughs> by leaving. You know, <laughs> right. it's like if he were like king of the world, or if he were whatever. You know, yeah. but it's like he's living this perfectly mundane life. Like there's nothing that he's his wife left him. Right. Yeah. He, he's probably assumed that his best friend and his dad and his mom are actors. Like, what do you go back to? You know, there's nothing. There's really no benefit besides this vague threat of the outside world is so dangerous. But it's yeah. like, okay, but all I have here is like fake people all around me, and I have to work still. Like, yeah. Okay, maybe if you just paid for everything, sure, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I think there are, like, the only thing that really holds him back is the, the sea at some point. But, you know, there's there's moments where he, there's a lot of moments where he realizes that he is the center of attention, you know. And there's a part of him that's wondering if it's, like, if it's put on by everyone. There's a part of him that's just, like, you know, I'm meant for some grander purpose or, it's like, the world revolves around me. Like, it's more vague in a way. But at a, at a certain point, he does realize you know, especially when he's uh, that that whole montage that you're talking about, and he's like stopping vehicles. He like has that realization, like nothing can touch me. Like I'm fine, you know. Like I, as long as I am alive, like nothing bad's gonna happen to. Like nothing's gonna endanger my life. Really, it's always gonna yeah, look like it gonna is. Physically harm me. Yeah, it's always gonna look like it, but nothing's ever actually gonna hurt me. The yeah. closest that he gets really is. Who knows where Meryl was going to go with the all-in-one kitchen tool. <laughs> the chef's tool yeah. or whatever. The well, chef's yeah. pal. Chef's pal, that's right. Um, and and then also on the sea when Kristoff, you know, obviously loses it a little bit because, you know, he doesn't... He, maybe he thinks that Truman is abandoning his vision or something like that. I don't really know what's going on in his mind right there. But he almost, you know, he capsizes the ship and he almost kills him. Yeah. Um, and that's the ironic thing, too, of Kristoff is... He tells Truman, like, the world out there is dangerous. Right. If you stay here, you'll be safe. But the implicit thing he doesn't say is, you'll be safe as long as you do what we yeah. want you to do. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because if you don't do what we want you to do, then we're going to try to drown you in the ocean. <laughs> right. So, like, yeah. that safety. And I think, too, that that goes to, like, a larger social context as well of, like, we're often told, like, oh, if you do what you're supposed to do, then you'll be safe, right? And this is... Yeah. Have you watched the movie, the TV show Beef on Netflix or heard of it? Oh, that's brand new. I haven't watched it yet. Though. Yeah. So there's a ton of like think pieces about it, about this term that people are sort of starting to coin called millennial rage, which is this idea of like, you do everything you're supposed to do. You do everything you were told to do. And, you know, we were told, oh, yeah, you graduate from high school, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a good job, you can, you know, you get married, you can afford the house, you can afford the vacations, the cars, like you can live a very normal middle class lifestyle. But millennials are starting to realize, like, I did everything I was told to do. And I can't afford any of these things that I was supposed to be able to have, you know, I can't afford a house, things are too expensive, can't go on vacation, because I have no disposable income. So there's this idea of like millennial rage that we're angry that we did everything we were supposed to do and we aren't getting what was promised to us. And I think that that is sort of 
the same idea that we see in the Truman Show of like we there's really no benefit to following the rules because right. you're not what you were told you're going to have, you know, safety. If you stay here, you don't have it. If you go against the machine, you know, the machine tells you do X and you'll be rewarded. But then the moment you don't do X, it's like, Oh, you're actually going to get punished, you know? So then the reward isn't the addition of a reward. It's just the withholding of a punishment. And at a certain point it's like, this isn't worth it, you know? Right. Interesting. That made sense at all, but no, it made sense. It's, yeah, that's that's interesting. That's that, I mean, that's <laughs> something that I've been, that's always been on my mind in life. I mean, I've never looked at it as like millennial rage or whatever. It's just definitely, uh, and I probably talked about it previously on the show. Just the fact that nothing goes the way that you ever thought it was going to go. <laughs> that's yeah, it's really what I've come to learn, which is fine. And then you get to a point where you're like, well, I'm so invested in this. Yeah, yeah. you know, I went to school for this thing. I study this thing. I did all the things I was everything I was supposed to do, and you get to a point where it's sort of the sunk cost fallacy, where you're like, "Well, I don't want to throw this all away because, like, what is out there that's worth it?" But right. a lot of people do reach a point where it's like, "Fuck it, things are horrible right now. They can't really get any worse." And then you learn that they can get worse. But <laughs> like that right. millennial rage, you feel trapped. You know, you were tricked into this situation and yeah. there's nowhere to go, you know? Right. Yeah. I had a question for you and I, yeah. I don't know how to word it necessarily, but like, obviously this movie was made in the nineties before reality TV was really a thing. Sure. Um, how do you feel like this movie would change or how do you feel like maybe it predicted reality tv culture that we have in 2023 right makes sense yeah that that is something that uh came into mind uh a little bit while i was watching the movie that's totally like i mean obviously the only difference is people are signing up for reality shows you know they're they're saying okay yeah let's make like my life you know visible for the whole world to see um except it's maybe an episode a week whereas the truman show is on 24 hours a day um, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. And then also going back to what you were saying earlier of social media. I mean, that's also kind of a supplement as well. It's like, yeah, everyone, every, a lot of people are putting their lives on display for everyone to see, um, to what end. I don't really know. I've never really understood that myself. I, I'm not much of, you know, an Instagram. I post maybe once every like six months when I've, you know, climbed something that I was working on for a long time and I finally did it. And it's like, Hey, I did it, you know? And that's, and then every once in a while, maybe I try a creative endeavor and I try to post that as well. But even that, like advertising for this show, I never do that anymore. I'm terrible at it. So (laughs) like, I'm, I'm really bad. So, um, I think, I think, yeah, in a way, I mean, maybe things were, I don't know. I can't really speak to how how uh, prominent reality shows were back in the day. I don't think they were that big of a thing, but. I mean, were, Survivor hadn't really aired, and that was really like the first yeah. big, like mainstream reality yeah. TV show. And that wasn't even really reality TV because it's not people's personal lives. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's just like on an island, yeah. you know? They signed up for an experience, and that's what they're doing. A competition. Yeah. 
I mean, there was like MTV stuff, right? Yeah, sure. But it wasn't really like into the personal lives of people, you know, consistently. Now I'm curious. Like, I feel like the when did The Bachelor start? Yeah, The Bachelor, Real Housewives. I mean, especially with Netflix and Hulu and all of these streaming companies now, they all just do reality TV show after reality TV show, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So Bachelor came out in 2002, which is only four years after The Truman Show came out. Yeah. So I think Survivor was 2001. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe The Truman Show really, like, people are like, we should. We should make um, reality shows and people just display their lives, except we'll make it more ethical because we'll tell them (laughs) about it. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) Okay, so this might be like a really long diatribe. I'm about to go on a really long tangent, so sweet, feel sweet, free sweet. to cut me off when you want. But okay. the reason I was thinking about and that's this, all the time we have to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> go for it. Um, is because so my wife and I watch Love Is Blind. Oh yeah, have sure. You, do you watch? I've Love never is watched Blind? it. Do you, but are I've you familiar heard. with the concept of it though? Yeah, like you don't know. Yeah, like people yeah. are in pods. They date through like a wall essentially, yeah. and then they fall in love, and then they get engaged, and then they meet each other in person, and then. <laughs> You kind of see, like, will it work out? You know, they, like, live together for a while. They plan their weddings, yada, yada, yada. Sure. But um, at the time of this recording right now, the fourth season of Love is Blind just ended. And it had a live reunion. Right, um, yeah. Last week, I think. But... People are disappointed about that, it seems. It was really, really awkward. And it was really, really tense. um, Because... The vibe that I got was that a lot of the cast did not like how their edit made them look. Mm, um, they right. thought that it made them look like a bad person or that it didn't you know, fully capture who they are, whatever it may be. But if you watch the live reunion show, everyone seems really uncomfortable. Like, And it really feels like they don't want to be there. There's just this like lack of energy where mm. a lot of times, you know, People are kind of excited to be there or they're like sort of ready to talk. But this cast like seems really, really tense. Like they had some strong headbutting going on with the production. And it just got me thinking like, sure, reality TV show now is more ethical because it's technically consensual, right? That people are know they're being recorded and stuff. Right. But... Like specifically with Love is Blind, multiple cast members this season and mostly previous seasons have talked about how they were sleep deprived or they weren't fed on a regular schedule or Mm. they were kind of sort of forced to get like really drunk on set, you know, Hmm. Um, weird. And there's like a lot of unethical behavior going on in these reality TV shows to create drama, to create intrigue, to create tension, but people are being treated like puppets, kind of. They're losing a lot of autonomy because they don't get to control the edit that they get. They don't know how they're going to look to the world. Um, And like the Love is Blind reunion made me feel almost icky watching it because it was like these people don't seem like they want to be here. They seem like they're being forced to be here because of contractual obligations or and you know monetary incentives whatever it may be but it just got me thinking about how like modern day reality tv sure people know they're being recorded but there's like still a lot 
there's a huge power differential between the cast and the production and just like the level of exploitation and sort of violation even Mm -hmm. that happens in reality TV is kind of disturbing if you think about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we get little snippets of this all the time in prank videos. You know what I mean? It's a very small form of it, but there's like a solid, you know, like five minutes or whatever where there's people that are recording someone unknowingly pulling kind of a prank or talking to them, having some kind of fake interview and and while it's supposed to go really weird and strange, but the person that's not in on it, you know, is some random stranger on the street. Um, And I'm sure there's plenty of those videos that don't ever make it because maybe they ask the person afterwards, is it okay if we post that? And they're like, no, (laughs) you made me look like an idiot. So no, Mm -hmm. but, but I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that do that and they don't even ask and they just do it. Any, they just post it anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, who knows? I guess this actually, this is probably my last thing that I really wanted to talk about is how far away do you think we are from an actual Truman show? And I'll, I'll add a little bit more context to that. There's this new show that I haven't watched, but I'm curious called jury duty. It just, it's like freebie or whatever. Have you, have you seen? Uh, We've watched the first like four episodes. So this is, I mean, this to me is probably the closest to Truman Show that we've gotten so far. There's one, the premise of the show, right? If I'm not mistaken, is I haven't watched any of it, but is a jury duty, right? And there's one juror. I think he must know that they're all being, re- yeah, he knows that they're being recorded. Yeah, he's right? being told they're being, they're filming a documentary about they're jury filming duty. a documentary. But the thing is, is everyone in there is in on it that they know that it's actually. Like, it's all... They're actors. They're all actors, right? They're all acting a part. They're not actually who they say they are. But um, there's this one guy who's just actually trying to do jury duty, you know, while everyone else is just putting on a show. And I feel like... I'm not saying it's right or wrong or whatever. Like, I think it's actually a funny premise. But I don't know. There's also a little bit of it that's just like, are people toying with... Like, how far are we from an actual Truman Show scenario? Maybe not to that extent, but people that like really long form reality shows where the the subject of the matter has no idea that um, it's about him or that he's really on a set. Yeah. Or like he doesn't realize that everyone else is an actor and that he yeah. is, his reaction is what's like being actually recorded. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely think like you kind of said that a real Truman show wouldn't really exist because like, the legal the legal implications of like essentially experimenting on like a human being without their consent is like just not something that would happen in like modern day american juris jurisprudence you know like i'll, I'll give it a hundred years i bet we'll actually get there we're not gonna be alive in a hundred years i the know the world's gonna be on fire by then yeah, um awesome. but like i mean yeah so I, we've been watching jury duty i'm not really sure how I'm not, I mean, I don't know. I'm not convinced that the guy that's like being followed isn't in on it somehow. Oh, really? We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I don't know. I just, I really was thinking about this idea of like reality TV and like, have you seen Nope? No, not yet. Um, So Nope really deals with this idea of spectacle, like this idea of like what happens when we 
turn something horrible into a spectacle. Like we watch it for entertainment or we watch it for shock value or whatever. And that's <laughs> gladiators. Yeah. Like that's really what I got to thinking about was this idea of like spectacle of like, cause like you said with Instagram and social media and stuff, like we are turning our lives into shows essentially for yeah. people to consume. And it's like at one, at what point, are you living so much for your Instagram audience or your social media audience that you're no longer living your life? Right. You know, yeah. it's not going to be to the extent of the Truman show where you don't know what's happening and all this stuff, but it, it does happen where you have a curated public persona that you show to the world. That's not right. real, but it's who you present to the world, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just like I think that the Truman Show is really interesting because it didn't have the social context of reality TV that we have nowadays. Yeah. But it's explores some really interesting ideas of like ethics in in reality TV and spe- spectacle and um almost like this perverse voyeurism that we like want to watch people's lives i don't know it's just really like unsettling is like the best (laughs) word i can come up with yeah sure no i i don't know i've always i've always loved this movie it's always had a special place in my heart um it is yeah it does it does bring on a lot of questions a lot of deep thoughts i think have you seen I'm referencing a lot of movies because this the Truman Show just got me thinking about a lot of stuff. Have you seen or heard of the movie Fractured? No. I think it's with Sam Worthington. So it follows this man, Sam Worthington, who um, his daughter is like injured and he takes her to a hospital. Um, she's like a little kid, like six or seven. He takes her to the hospital. He falls asleep in the waiting room. He wakes up and he's like, oh, how is my daughter doing? And everyone's like, who are you? Like, we've never had your daughter. You never brought a daughter in here. Like, we don't know what's going on. You know, Um, I won't spoil it, but it kind of reminded me of like, this is what the Truman Show would be like if it was a lot darker and like a thriller, because this character begins to question like, wait. What's going on? Am I the crazy one? No, I can't be the crazy one. Like this was a real memory that I had. And this idea of like getting gaslit and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just this idea of like reality. If you have enough money, like you can shape someone's reality into whatever you want their reality to be, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Like in jury duty, this man thinks that he's in jury duty. He goes to a hotel, he gives up his phone, he is a, he's a sequestered is what happens, like he's pretty much just isolated completely and he willingly lets that happen to him because he truly believes that he's in this jury situation and it's like the production had enough money to make him think that this was real. Right, yeah. And like what would we do as humans if we thought we were in a situation that was real, but it was actually not real. And everyone was like an actor or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just kind of scary that you could go to a random building and give up your cell phone 
put yourself in a potentially very dangerous situation because someone had enough money to convince you that that was totally normal. Yeah, yeah. That you're bringing out the paranoia in me again. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Um, just kidding. Like, have you seen the TV show Nathan for you? No. So the premise is like this guy, Nathan Fielder, goes to businesses and he is like, the business is essentially like, I have X problem. And then he's like, oh, well, to solve X problem, here's Y solution. But the solution's always absurd. Like one of the solutions is like, oh, we're at a gas station and you need to get more customers. So the solution is that you're going to give like gas is going to be a penny a gallon but then there's like the fine print is that you have to it's a rebate and you have to hike up to the top of this mountain to submit your rebate or whatever (laughs) so there's like these really absurd things but all of these people like willingly do them because there's a camera crew around and they're like well if this were weird then it wouldn't be recorded you know like there's this system in place that is sort of reinforcing how normal this is. So I guess it has to be normal. Yeah. But then people do really, really weird stuff that they would never do if there weren't cameras around. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, uh, just like old school. I feel like the nineties and maybe even early to well, and eighties or whatever, just like, um, like comp like you know like old competition shows or whatever like prices right but like i'm thinking Mm -hmm. specifically of like nickelodeon type of things where you get slimed or whatever you know if you do something wrong and stuff like that and people are just totally willing to you know do the craziest stuff or or even like some of the shows that um that they watch on matilda i feel like it gets like you know do you remember matilda and like the the parents and they're they're always watching like the television, and it's always like these crazy, wacky, like um, you know, game shows. That's what I mean to say. Yeah, game shows. Yeah, and it's like the I weirdest don't remember stuff. That, but and they probably look like idiots the whole time. Or um, oh, or what's the one? You know, Ninja Warrior, but like the stupid Americanized, like wacky one. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It starts with I a W, remember. I want to say. But um, not Whiplash. No, I don't remember what it's called. But just, yeah, it's just funny, like, what you're talking about. It's just people put themselves in the craziest situations just, yeah. for, just for the... Because there's a camera and, and the possibility yeah, of like money or whatever. You can kind of convince anyone to do anything yeah. if you put them in the right situation. And you All can right. put them in the right situation if you have enough money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's really scary to me. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's 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 the way it's always been, though. That's like the way I know it's, it is. Amer- yeah, that's the way it's always, that's where the concept of game shows come from. But in a game show, though, you know, you're on a game show. But like yeah, in yeah. jury duty, he doesn't ostensibly yeah, yeah, yeah. know that he's being re- like that. He's the sort of subject of this right. TV show. Like. Like in Nathan for you, he convinces like an owner of a frozen yogurt company to make and sell a poop flavored frozen yogurt. Like no one would do that if there wasn't like a camera crew and a system in place telling them like, yeah, this is totally normal. You can do this. Like this is fine or whatever, you know? Yeah. 
it's just like I don't, you don't know. You don't really have to sell it for. You're just going to sell it for one day for the show, and that's about it. Because we'll we'll pay yeah. you fifty thousand dollars or whatever. But you it. still do the thing. And then Nathan has another show called the rehearsal, which is a little bit more. It's a little bit darker because it kind of goes into like, um, exploitation and harm done to child actors. Like Nathan will literally like tell the parent of a child actor like, um. Oh, we're going to like do this thing to your kid, but like, uh, like, oh, they might be like screaming and crying and be really upset about it. But like, don't worry, it's totally fine. And the parents are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's totally fine. You know, yeah. or there's like a in Nathan for you, there's a scene where he gets strapped to this machine that will pull his pants and his underwear down to a, an audience of children. And it's like oh, he has to like beat the machine or else he'll become like a registered sex offender. And he's like talking to the parents and he's explaining like, I may potentially have my genitals exposed to your children. And the parents are like, okay, yeah, sure, cool. That's fine. You know, like what the hell? Yeah, like that's wild. And it's like, it also goes into this sort of like, what will people do for fame? You know, Mm. like you see shows like Dance Mom and Dance Moms and like, Uh, the children competition shows where there's like five-year-olds in makeup and stuff. And it's like, there's so much stuff that's like so unhealthy, particularly for children and their caregivers, like put them in these situations for fame and money. And I don't know, it just is like really sad. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I kind of went on a rant. (laughs) No, it's fine. No, I I mean, that's that. I mean, that leads into a, a question that I did have about, you know, the parents, well, number one, it is just actors that play the mom and dad, or are they really the biological mom and dad? I don't, we don't know. I think yeah. that, I mean, they were choosing between like four people. So I thought that they were like orphans or something because the company adopts them. So it's not the real parents, I don't think. In the Truman Show? Yeah. In the Truman Show, the oh. company, Christoph's company, uh, legally adopts Truman. Oh. Okay. So I don't, unless the parents like gave uh, Truman up to the company, but I don't know why they would need to do yeah, that. I don't, I don't know. Do that. Okay, never mind. I was going to say a childbirth. Yeah, oh, that's a, okay, never mind. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's one of the things. Um, they were they were there right at um, um, His birth. Right at birth or whatever, but they weren't, <laughs> but they're so obsessed with the idea of actual conception. That's messed up. Um, yeah. Never mind. I was going to say, like, that's so messed up to, like, be the parents on the set all the time and, like, care way more about um, the show continuing on and not breaking him of this reality so that they can continue being on the show. But I guess if they're actors, um, yeah, it's not it's not as egregious. <laughs> still not good, though, because they still raised them. Fucked up, though. I mean, they're still, yeah, they're still adopted parents. And I mean, they're essentially his parents, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And yet, yeah. like, there's somehow not that attachment. <laughs> um, you know what's funny also is when they show the flashback of the dad and him going sailing. And um, and you could tell, like, being older, like, you could tell the dad is just like, oh, maybe we should go back because he doesn't want to be written off the show. That's his motivation. I never picked up on that as a kid. But he's like, and maybe then you see him back. be like angry in the <laughs> ocean. He's like, bro, and he like throws the mask or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny. Also, I don't know when the show decided to write him back because they definitely weren't pleased with him being there out of nowhere on the street. 
when those random people picked him up and put him on the bus. But it was so like when they do show that he had managed to sneak on the set, but he parachuted in there like right behind Truman, like right behind Truman while he was at the newspaper stand. You don't remember that shot? No, doesn't isn't that like a flashback to people who have tried to break in before? That's what I thought, but they were specifically talking about the dad right when the parachute came in. And no, maybe, but that guy has a shirt on that says like you it's all TV or whatever. Was that a different guy? I think it was a different guy. Okay, that makes more sense cuz I'm like what happened? Yeah, like like wh- how did they did not they let notice? Him hang around? <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't they yeah. have immediately seized them? Okay. Yeah. I think it's a different person. <laughs> okay. All right. That makes more sense then. Um Yeah. I was trying I was yeah, I should have rewound, I guess. It made sure, but um Maybe it was, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Whatever. Um I one last question. Yeah. What what do you think of the ending of this movie? I love the ending. I think it's so perfect. Um, number one, I love the fact that there's the hardship of the the storm, and then finally everything eases off. Truman thinks that everything's going to be fine, and then he runs into the wall. It was so funny. It's funny, but then it leads right into a really dramatic scene that I think they totally transitioned to perfectly. And I is, totally agree. It's heart wrenching. You know, he's banging on the wall because he's just like that was it. That was. I I don't I'm out of ideas now like that's all I had and I faced my fear and I even went through my fear and still came out on the other side just fine and it still led to a dead end but then he decides to explore and go up the stairs and stuff but specifically the you know and in case I don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night I love that that's the final that's the final like you know thing that he says in the entire movie it's so good to me yeah I also love when Kristoff, <laughs> when Truman asks like who Kristoff is, and Kristoff's like, "I am the creator yeah. of a television yeah, 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 yeah. show." <laughs> like, yeah. He intentionally pauses yeah. to like make it sound like he's God. Yeah, I am the creator. Well, he does sound like him too. Show. You know, he has the perfect God voice too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm specifically talking about the scene with the security guards because that's, I oh. think, the last piece of dialogue, right? Security guards. What are you talking about? Where they, Truman walks out the door, they cut the feed, and then you cut to the security guards at the very end. Yeah. And the security guard, one of them says, Oh, yeah. What else is on? Let's see what else is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you know what that's really interesting because um something yeah that was definitely that must have been super intentional because something that for sure this, that Kristoff thought was so important actually to the audience that watches it every single night you know these night security guards or whatever um it ended up being throw away to them anyway and then they were just like let's see what else is on whatever you know yeah and and it gets you to think of how meaningless or not meaningless but how much of a waste of time other people are going to think it was once the show is finally over yeah like we were kind of talking about how the truman show was sort of predicting reality tv culture i feel like that line really accurately predicts like american consumption habits particularly mm, yeah like i remember like game of thrones you know everyone was talking about game of thrones it was such a big deal 
I mean, I think part of the reason why it tapered off so quickly was because, like, the ending was so bad, I guess. But, like, a week later, like, no one's talking about Game of Thrones anymore, you know? Right. Or it's, like, um, I don't know, just, like, this thing that can consume so much of your attention in the national on the national stage that, like, everyone's obsessed with. And then a week later, it's like, oh, yeah, that happened, you know? Like, how right. quickly as humans we move from like one thing that seems so important and then we're like okay yeah next thing like that need to constantly be engaged or have new novel content in front of our eyes like i don't know it just was really interesting because it's so reflective i think of like consumer culture yeah it is it is and i feel like it just gets worse all the time (laughs) honestly i mean tiktok is a perfect example of that TikTok is literally built off of the idea of what else is on. That's all TikTok mm-hmm. is. You get bored of something within two seconds, swipe down or swipe up or whatever, and then you'll go down and you'll find yeah. something else, you know? Yeah. Which is not healthy. And how immediate <laughs> and how fast that consumption yeah. cycle is. Yeah. it's. I mean, and then uh, talking about ADHD earlier, everyone's ADHD now because of this. Like, we're all being conditioned to be ADHD, and I don't know where my kids are going to be. Probably way worse. I didn't grow up with I iPads. Mean, <laughs> I will say, from my understanding, ADHD is like an actual neurological thing. Like, uh, yeah, you can't really like get ADHD in the typical sense, like getting a cold or whatever. But I agree with you that our attention span sure. and our ability to engage with long form content is definitely decreasing, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like. There's a lot of people I know that like they have to be on their phone while they're watching TV, you know, because like the TV show's not moving fast. The the TV show's not moving fast enough. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll get that's not good. That can't be good. No, it's not. It's not healthy. (laughs) It's not good at all. And yeah, I mean, what you're talking about, like national stage and stuff. I remember Ukraine. The stuff that's going on in Ukraine, like that's probably the long lasting stuff that people do periodically talk about, but definitely not nearly as important as it was, you know, a year ago. For sure. And then I can't remember specifically, at least on Twitter or whatever, I think there was something. See, I don't even remember. I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm just like everyone else or whatever, but like something was going on with Israel and Pakistan or whatever. Like I can't, Israel or Israel and Palestine. Palestine. There you go. Um, and people on Twitter were all up in arms about that and stuff going on. We need to save them, blah, 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 you know, send them support. Now no one talks about that anymore either. It's just like, yeah, it just creeps up into every aspect the of our life. The news cycle and yeah. yeah, that ability to sustain attention on something is just right. like really, really dwindling. Oh, for it's sure. terrible. Which, yeah, I yeah. was just at a conference today yeah. about language and technology and they were talking specifically about um, how social media companies use like addiction specialists to get people to essentially get addicted to their technology, their social wow. media, you know? Yeah. Um, and how a lot of the social media out there like drills into humans' addictive behavior to keep our eyes engaged on the screen, you know? Right. That's scary. That's yeah. really, really scary. No, it is. It is. I mean, everything's built that way. All of entertainment is built that way now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like, yeah, kids kids aren't focused on the old animated movies anymore because it's too slow moving. Whereas nowadays, 
There's got to be something. I mean, have you seen the new Mario movie? Mm-mm. Really good, actually. I, I really enjoy it. But there's something new happening every five seconds. Bright colors everywhere. You know, you're not going to get bored or dull whatsoever. And that's the way that media, like uh, entertainment, has to be now to keep people's attention. It's not good. Um, yeah, it's not. It's good. really bad because. Yeah. Yeah, it just it's really scary how. Um detrimental a lot of this technology can be just for money and yeah. clicks and engagement and stuff you know yeah never gonna go away though. the last thing i want to say i it's not a question but i really like i think it's christoph who says this quote that i think really sums up the truman show well is we accept the reality of the world with which we are presented mm. um and i really really like that yeah. i think that that's a really important quote here um I mean, you and I have, to different degrees probably, like deconstructed a lot of the reality that we were presented growing up, you know, Mm -hmm. growing up in a very specific religious community um, where you're told like, this is the meaning of life. This is what life is going to be like, you know, after. Um, And it is kind of, if you think about it, scary that a lot of people don't question all these things that they're taught, whether it's religion or politics or the economy, like... Um, yeah, like that's really the, the driving issue here is that so many people don't question that reality. Like for every Truman who questions reality and eventually leaves the simulation or whatever, there's hundreds or thousands of people who wouldn't even begin to question that. You know, why would you question that? Yeah. My life is good. I'm fine. I make good money. I got a good wife, blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah. And I mean, even taking it, why rock the boat? Yeah, taking it really anywhere, it just seems like whatever environment you grew up in. Um, I mean, yeah, you can get really deep with it, especially like, you know, people growing up in like poor neighborhoods, you know, trailer parks or whatever like that. Like that's the reality that they're presented with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, you know, accept it or are even presented with the with zero. I mean there's not many tools to be able to get out of that situation a lot of the time, but also there's people that are even in that, that aren't even giving you hope of maybe even escaping at that point. So they're literally presenting with like, this is your only option. Cause this is the only option I had. So mm-hmm. this is what you got, man. And you're going to have to make the best of it. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, or that's even people, that it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. People who aren't even explicitly told like this is the only reality you can have. But I think like the majority of Americans live within 70 miles of where they grew up, you know? Right. Yeah. Like it's safe. People think that the worldview that they were raised in is like the correct worldview. And that's everything is makes sense and it's logical because that's all they've ever known you know like a fish doesn't un- like know that sure. there's something besides water because all they've ever known is water sure so but it's comfortable it's com- mm-hmm. like that's the other aspect of it it's not necessarily yeah. just like you're not questioning things it's also like well i have seen other things but the life there the reality that i was presented with and the life that i lived for you know all of my uh you know, developmental years, like that's, that's what shaped me. And so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a different shape trying to fit into a different hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And it's it's really hard and it's scary and it's really hard. And you know what? I'll just go back to the shape that I came in, you know, 
<laughs> I'll go back yeah, to no, the like hole that my sure shape I mean, is in. I feel like you and I are fundamentally different people than we were growing up. And even me personally, I feel like my entire worldview really down to the foundation of who I am has fundamentally changed within the last five-ish years, you know? Yeah, right. And like, I know how scary that can be. I know how isolating and how lonely and how sad that can be to question all the things that you were raised with and that you were grown, that you've grown up with and that people you love still believe. And so it's like, yeah, why would someone intentionally put themselves through all of that pain? Um, and I, I don't know. I just think that that's like a really interesting concept of like, we don't really, you know, so rarely do we question the reality that with which we've been presented. Yeah. Yeah. But who knows what's on the other side? But if it's scary and unknown, no, thank you. So many people say. <laughs> yeah. Not us, though. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We're just constantly living in fear. <laughs> Always. That's the way yeah. life goes, man. Always something. Fear for days. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I know I got a little ranty, a little existential there, but there that's what the Truman Show does to you, man. Makes you think. It- it is the thinker. I love this movie. I do you yeah, have do you great. have any final thoughts on the film itself? Um, no, I do love the high school flashback because no one looks like they're in high school. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they did didn't even best. try. No, they to, did their I best. Don't, I don't feel like they did. <laughs> they all look like they are in their thirties. There's no de aging <laughs> technology, and <laughs> makeup could only do so much. <laughs> yeah, I also love that. Meryl goes through this traumatizing event of like almost dying multiple times and then she's forced to plug hot cocoa. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's so messed up. That's true. Yeah. Pl- like, I, I'm she, not, I don't know. Do you think that they actually told her that or do you think she was just like, I, this is all I know because this is all I, this is the only conversation I actually have with I, I feel like it, it, it may have been like a yeah. defense mechanism because it's just all she's known, but... <laughs> I just, or maybe it was like she was slotted to do that advertisement and right. she knows that she's, you know, she, it's, she's a professional. She'll get it done. But yeah, yeah. she literally just like drove, drove through fire. Yeah. And <laughs> the next scene, she's like, do you want some hot cocoa? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's smooth and creamy. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love when that trooper does accidentally say, uh, you're welcome, Truman. And then looking at Meryl's face, like slowly, like, like, did he catch she's that? Like, you know, what have you done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, please don't. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite films for sure. I mean, this, it's one of those movies that you watch and you just sort of always think about. Yeah. Kind of like you and I were. Yeah, exactly. Like I think about this show often and I always want to watch it, to be honest. Like every year I could easily rewatch it and I haven't seen it in a while but I do think of it often there's just so many other things that I need to fill up my time with because what else is on um <laughs> you know what I mean callback too much stuff going on too much stuff no great film great music great perf- I think great performances I very agree. very deep and beautiful oh do you know how many times the script was rewritten 12 16 whoa i thought yeah. that i was even over <laughs> wow yeah. it was rewritten i think 16 times 
before the director said that he would work on it. And I guess the original one was like a lot darker, but they wanted it to be the um, Paramount or whatever wanted it to be a little bit lighter, but mm. 16 revisions. So I'm interested to see the, the writer's cut. <laughs> yeah, that's an, yeah, the dark cut. That would be interesting. Um, cool. Well, sweet. Thanks for the discussion, Big T. You're welcome. Uh, again, if you wanted to watch this film, it's on Showtime. Uh, we're going to close out the show now, but before we officially close, we're going to get into our final segment, our final game, Layers of Favorites. This is the final game where I, Austin, ask Big T 10 this or that questions, and we'll see which ones he chooses, which ones he leaves to the wayside, to the uh, maybe not sea. Yeah, seaside of Sea Haven. Big T, you ready? I was born ready. All right, number one. Let two old men push you up against a sign or stand up for yourself? <laughs> stand up for myself. That one's the most egregious uh, ad I don't want to be used for a product placement. <laughs> yeah, so aggressive, dude. Uh, number two, localized rainstorm over just you or over the entire city? <laughs> The localized rainstorm would be kind of fun. That would be fun. That should have been a dead giveaway. How many times has Truman ever seen a bucket of water being poured on him, you know? Number three, Lauren or Meryl? Uh, Lauren, but... I guess um, Sylvia. I like the name Meryl. Oh, sweet. Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. All of the characters are named after act- famous actors and actresses. Oh. Yeah, Meryl Streep, Marlon Brando. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Number four, life insurance salesman or vending machine stalker? Oh, life insurance salesman. <laughs> you could probably get away with not doing your work, you know. Number five, at least for a little bit longer. Number five, pizza or a two-minute romantic weird date? <laughs> what? What? Uh, what's the reference? The two-minute... Well, oh, he, like wanted the, to, he wanted to go for the, pizza, they but the, they went to the beach yeah, instead oh, for uh, two Pizza, minutes. for sure. Pizza. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. Six... Run by ladder man or spank him with your briefcase? <laughs> spank him with the briefcase. Nice. Number Let's do some Garfinkling here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number seven, Mount Rushmore or Sea Haven Mount Rushmore? Sea <laughs> Haven Mount Rushmore because it wasn't stolen from native people. Oh, look at you. Number eight, drive with your eyes closed or get threatened to be cut by uh, Chef's Pal? Mm, drive with my eyes closed. That'd be fun. Did I say closed or open? You said closed. Nine, Sea Haven or, or Moonbase, whatever that's actually called. <laughs> Moonbase, for <laughs> Moon sure. Base. Okay. And last but not least, number 10, walk through the door or close the door. Walk through the door and then close the and door. And then close the door. Both. Wow. I should have thought that went through a little bit more. All right. Sweet deal. Thanks for playing. Layers of favorites. You're welcome. You scored five out of 10. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, sweet. All right. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Big T, it is your choo- your turn, my friend, to choose the next film. What are we watching for episode 22 that will come out on June 5th? We are watching the 1996... Oh, two years earlier. ...comedy, The Birdcage. This is a comedy? Um, it says it's a comedy, but I think it's like a drama comedy. 
dramedy. Okay. I will say, never seen this movie. Yeah. Never really heard of this movie until recently. It is one of my friend's favorite movies. Um, okay. So I figured, why not give it a review? Give it a watch. Give it a podcast episode. What? I'm trying so hard to find this film. What? The is Birdcage? Yeah, what? The Birdcage. How am yeah. I not? Oh, Robin Williams? Yep, it has Robin Williams in it. Okay. There's another one that I clicked on and it said add plot. I'm like, wow, what movie <laughs> have you chosen for us? Basically? It's actually the independent film that I just released. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> it's hey, two and a half hours of just a bird sitting in a bird. Two cage. and a half. I know you. You wouldn't go over two hours. Come on. No, the one I made. <laughs> You're more than willing to uh, self, be self <laughs> It was the, the director's cut's actually four hours long. It's just more <laughs> footage of a bird in a bird cage. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, cool. Well, awesome. Uh, Robin Williams. I've yeah, I've never yeah. heard of this film before. Oh, look at that. Yeah, we got all sorts of people. What the heck? Yeah, there's a lot of famous people in this. Um, it's got nominated for a lot of awards. It won some awards. Gene Hackman. Um, but it is. We haven't watched anything with Robin Williams yet, have we? I don't think so. Yeah, you kind of watch Robin Williams. Actually, fun fact, they considered Robin Williams for Truman Show. Really? Yeah. Much older, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> or was. Um, all right, cool. Well, I'm excited. Uh, you can stream that on Showtime as well. So if you decided to get... <laughs> if you decided to get a membership because of the Truman Show, you have it for the Birdcage as well. It's rated R, uh, so make sure to check out that parental guide so that you're not bombarded with any um, witch junk <laughs> or whatever it was. I can't remember what. <laughs> full frontal <laughs> demon yeah, full nudity. Full frontal demon nudity. Um, if you know, you know. Okay. Uh, sweet deal. Thank you again, Big T, for your time. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for giving us your time. You all rock. Don't ever change. Have a great spring. We'll catch you next time. See you later. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Have a great spring.